Nation. That's our podcast. You said that pretty good. Um, good test. All right. Welcome to the Spiritual Involution. Today I'm here with Gina. How do you say your last name? Is Tang. It, is it just Tang? Yeah, that is the commonly mispronounced version that we just run with. Oh, is there a real version? Tong. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. Well, there you go. I learned something. <laughs> That's why I was afraid to say it because it sounded like Tang and I'm like, you know, I don't trust that I'm really saying it right, even though it seems like... No, it, that has become right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, now I like Tong. Wait, Tong? See, it's the... <laughs> and it's a whole thing with Chinese pronunciation. Mm. So Tang is kind of what it's become. It's not actually connected to the last name of my family anymore anyway. Hmm. Because my dad changed his last name when he came to the United States when he was 16 years old. So now we figure out free range to just change it again and again as much as I want. Um, I think he did that because he was self-conscious. Was it a long one before? Do you know your real last name? Dong. (laughs) (laughs) D-O-N-G. Katie's laughing. Katie almost spit out her matcha onto the window. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's like not this is not politically correct to laugh at that but I think it's the way he said it and I was really anticipating a long elaborate name and that's why he would change it but anyway <laughs> we start over no, okay anyway no no roll tape this is live people anyway I met Gina actually through a blind date that David set up he had met Gina. You had came to you had come to talk to David in his office about about this, right? This project that we're going to talk about later, the Motherhood Express. And then he said he texted me right after you left. He said, "You have to meet this woman, Gina. I don't know why, but you guys are meant to meet." It was really dramatic, you know, in a David fashion. And so, I immediately texted you because I listened to David. I trust his his gut. And then we met at a park, and. Um, I was my first impression of you was that you're like super smart. I remember you used a lot of big words when I first met you. <laughs> it's like, oh, she's real smart. She's good. she's a, and I felt like I was in one of those dumb mommy days. You know, you have those days when like your brain's just not working. Yeah. And I felt like I was meeting you in one of those days, and that you were coming off like you were you were on it. And I was like, oh no, <laughs> she's not gonna like me. <laughs> I was actually super impressed by you. I was like, wow, she is the coolest mom I feel like I have ever met. Really? Really. You came off that, you oh, came off that way. And like was... balanced and supported in all the right ways and just, but real, you know, like human. Let's yeah. just talk about how great we are. Yeah, that could be a good <laughs> podcast. But well. actually what was cool about it is that I had this idea brewing for many, many months. And the first time I even slightly brought it up to Katie, she was all about it. So the third time that we met, I brought a speaker, she brought a sandwich board, and we threw a spontaneous dance party right then and there in the park, the Mama Mob, and we've been doing that ever since. Yeah. It's been really hot lately, so we haven't done it as much. We're hibernating. (laughs) But, yeah, so the Mama Mob, she did. She brought this up. She's like, I have this vision where we just pop up dance parties at parks for moms, and I don't know if she realized she was speaking to this inner soul child of mine, like... That's how I grew up, dancing with my sister. We'd put on Snow's Informer and dance with our dog and make videos. And, like, I love dance parties. I would be the first one at a bar to dance without anyone else. 
on the floor. So when you said that, I was like, yeah, I'll do that for sure. And it's been fun. It's been interesting too. Don't you think it's been kind of, um, well, first, I guess we should tell people why, I mean, there's more reason behind just fun that you wanted to do that, right? Absolutely. It's actually a maternal, mental, social, and emotional health initiative and community building. And it's an effort to meet people where they are, to give them an opportunity to drop into their bodies, to break out of their comfort zones, to explore their edges, where and why and how are they holding themselves back from having fun when the opportunity presents itself. Because so many moms identify with this kind of frumpy, flat mood Yeah, a lot of the time. I likened it, I think I've explained it before to David, that it's like, almost like you're in the elevator and you don't talk to anybody in the elevator because you know you don't want to make eye contact you don't want to be awkward and there's been many times that I've gone to a park by myself if I don't go with another mom where I feel that way like we're all in the same boat here at this park but we're not really talking to one another and it's this weird kind of almost like you're at a bar trying to find a partner it feels like I wish I had a mom that would be my friend but I don't want to talk to you and, you know, there's been times when our mama mama has really invited that culture. I, you know, the, there's a couple that come to my mind where it was like so joyous. We've got this group together and more people join in. And then there's been other times when it's just you and I dancing. And, you know, I'm okay with that. And for a while that was bumming me out until you pointed out something. And that was, you said, well, you notice how it changed the vibe of the whole park. Even though they weren't dancing with us, I saw a couple people over here kind of shaking their hips, and there was like an energy that you felt. Would you explain that or how it? Yeah, it elevated, it literally elevated the vibe, just like music does, just like dancing does, that even offering that in the space has a positive impact on the beings that were present. And people were more conversational with one another just a little bit more open. Like we were permissioning everyone there to be more expressed by setting that example and dancing like fools by ourselves. <laughs> right. I agree. And I like that you pointed that out because I did feel it too. I don't think I knew I felt it though until you pointed it out. So, um, so that's just a small little tidbit of, I feel like your overall mission in life as I've gotten to know you, it seems very central to this idea of community, specifically with mothers and isolation and and that we are not meant to be doing this in isolation. The motherhood is not meant to be that way. W- womanhood isn't meant to be that way. Would you, you say it so well, would you articulate that idea? Yeah, actually, um, am I allowed to use the F word here? Uh, Yes, but uh, just let's note if anybody's in the car <laughs> that's young and you're listening to this, you might want to not listen to it. Okay, <laughs> because I, by answer, uh, I think I'll just read a poem that I wrote when I was working through postpartum depression because it touches on that subject. Yeah. Uh, and it does contain the F word. Well, a few then, places. So just, you know, it's about three minutes long, so you could skip ahead if you have little ones. <laughs> Reporting live from inside postpartum depression. I think it's that I am so compressed in the tight little box that is life with small kids in a hot little house that my energy stagnates and I start to depress. It's as simple as that. 
My world changed in the blink of an eye. Now something is too tight. For entire moments or whole days and nights, my soul isn't breathing. My cord is offline. Postpartum depression is a subcategory of post-traumatic stress disorder. What stress? Birth, motherfuckers. I'm learning to live a new life, one day at a time, while hoping to salvage the wreckage of the one I left behind. Trying to rest more, or eat better, or take time for self-care. Get back in shape. Pick up where I lost off. Follow my dreams. Throw in some shame. How dare I not be anything but dutiful? Build in some pressure. Why am I not up to par? I understand that my children are love and I love them completely and I might love 24-7 attachment a lot better if I had more support, some good decompression, a defragment, debriefing. Now I know what you're thinking. I should look all around me. There are family and friends and lizards and squirrels. How can I not be delighted with the world? My baby is healthy. My body is able. What more support could I want? What more help could I ask? I'm a mom now. This is my job my task. But let me tell you, friend, unless you've been home and often alone for weeks on end with a newborn and a toddler, you have no right to think. You should just listen. Dear America, newborn mothers should not be left alone. We just gave birth, motherfuckers. We need to be nurtured, cooked for, cleaned up after. We need paid leave. We need the company of other mothers, friends, kindred folk, so we know we are not one of our kind, lost among species. I need a good decompression. My body just exploded. I'm picking it up as fast as I can so I can keep up with the demands of my family, which are the demands of society and too high. I need a good defragmenting. I am learning to walk with new wings, heart blown open, head swimming, finding my breath, learning to connect all the old joints closed off. I need a good debriefing. What are we doing here? Talk to me straight, run through the numbers. I need other mothers and strong positive terminals. I'm a good mom, not a perfect one. And I'm lots of other things too. I want to be all of me with you. Expansive, expressed, up-leveled, undressed, plugged into the knowing that everything is growing accordingly. That said, this is the best I have ever felt about being depressed. The distortion is helping me focus. When the overwhelm of a particular moment swarms around my mind, I know it's surface level, not that deep, a curable condition, easy to treat. I just need to get out for some air, shake a tail feather, bust a move, sing some tunes, hug a tree, omega-3s, speak up, breathe, anchor more strong. Believe me when I say that I belong where I am and there's nothing wrong with this picture. The moment is a gift and a portal, a transformational gem, deep in the mine of my spirit heavy with fruit. And I hold the tools, the practices, the rituals, the keys that are in fact within reach at all times. There is infinite embodied presence lying right in my arms if I can open up enough to let it in. I'm wired for this. It's my newly stretched skin. All this good compression, squeezing, juicing the very resistance from my cells until I fly free. Woo! Well, that says a lot. <laughs> That's so awesome. Um, Gina, 
has a book called Motherhood Express, and you can find a whole bunch of poems that are like amazing, like that, and but much shorter. Much shorter, <laughs> but I mean, it's it's just so. When I hear you speak, I just I, it resonates with me so much because I feel like I know exactly what those words mean, and there is this feeling of isolation yet it's a guilt because you're supposed to be lucky you're supposed to feel joy and love and and it's this weird dichotomy of feeling those things of course I feel lucky to have been given the gift of life to carry it full term to have a healthy baby to have it breastfeeding I mean all of these things yet when you're awake at 2 a.m. at at 12 at three, at five, and then your husband goes to work three weeks after a baby's born, if that, um, and you're left there, and you do feel alone, and you feel insecure, and you feel all these things, and it's it's something we don't talk about, and it's something that is very lacking in our society, and in our society in general. I mean, I don't think it's just women, but how do you think we got here? How do you, what do you, do you wonder why we even exist? exist this way? Are there steps in your mind that have occurred? Yeah, we broke away from living in extended families and tribal village-like communities in favor of this idea of independence of single-family households of the quote-unquote American dream, which was coupled and packaged in with this idea of the feminine mystique. So if you think back to like the 50s and the 60s, this image of the perfect mom and wife who would be at home baking pies with her hair done and lipstick on so that when the husband came home from work, she could line up at the door with the children in line behind her, slippers, newspaper, cigar, hello honey, how was your day? Welcome back to your perfect home, to your clean house, to your beautiful wife, to this meal that has been prepared for you. And it's all tied up in this patriarchal consumer capitalist complex that it requires people to live and struggle in isolation in order to keep itself going. And I think that's more or less what has happened. Hmm. I'd agree. I feel like even before the 50s, though, I mean, isn't our nation built upon the idea when you say individualism or autonomy, the idea of you can come here and you can find land and you you can pick yourself up you 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 it's all like i am going to make it for myself and my family and the idea of needing even saying you need other people in our society seems like a sign of weakness like you can't do it alone my grandpa my line did it alone we were you know this and we rose up it was it's this very interesting idea that we glorify and should yeah. it be glorified I... I mean it seems to only exist in certain cultures it it seems to exist mostly in European or white culture and I'm not gonna take this in a racial direction but I'm just gonna leave that as an observation because other cultures around the world still live and it's expected that you live with your family until you're really able to gracefully make a different path for yourself. And here, we're, it's not that way at all. There's this pressure, even kids are in kindergarten and they're already in college prep. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like we, we're so busy 
We don't have time for anything because we've taken on everything ourselves. And that's a good point for as going back to women. You know, since the 50s and 60s, we have gained a lot of rights. You know, I just watched the um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg movie and it was amazing to see what she did as far as women's rights. But as our rights became and they're still being evolved, we have now taken on the role of motherhood plus oftentimes, especially in California, you cannot stay home. And I mean, you, you can if you're lucky, but and if you want to, I mean, I'm not trying to take the choice away, but for a lot of people, it's just not even a choice. It's not a choice if you wanted to, because it's so expensive. So now the women, we have this role of, of a, you know, not only making money, but also coming home and being this, this still idealistic mother that we had as in the past, that's still there. And, and yet we're becoming more isolated from this and we're expected to do all these things. And it's impossible. Yeah. And then we're looking at rates of postpartum depression where they're saying one in seven, but I've heard more recently that it's more like one in four. And then also it is the number one most underdiagnosed obstetric complication. So even when we have a statistic like say one in four, that does not account for all of it by any means and depression is usually going alongside with anxiety even psychosis OCD other things layered onto it as well and then just in terms of anxiety by itself almost every single mom that I know is struggling with anxiety yeah so what do you could you define in, in your terms what postpartum depression is or well I'll first I'll refer to it clinically because there's a little questionnaire that everyone gets at their postpartum checkup. I do not remember getting that, by the way. Oh, really? I don't think I got that. I mean, unless I was so out of it, I don't remember. But That's quite possible. <laughs> what do we really remember from those yeah. first weeks and months after birth? Not much, um, which is partly why I created that journal, which we'll come back to um, the book later on. Um, but there's all these questions, right? Like, do you feel excited about things? Are you more tired? Do you ever have thoughts of harming yourself? Um, do you cry more often? There's all these symptoms of depression that, you know, that they're kind of looking for and ranking in terms of severity. Uh, but I would say that postpartum depression is up to the individual to understand in themselves because we all know what our normal normal baseline is some of us cry more often than others some of us but sleep my, more often than others my question when you say that is how i've felt like is this depression or is this just now normal motherhood because i'm not sleeping i mean what's is there a is there a time when you realize okay this is not normal maybe you need to go talk to somebody or do you just power i mean i felt this desire need to power through it like i, I, I didn't I didn't know where to go. I didn't know who to talk to. And and it seems like everybody's having these issues. Like right. you said, everybody's right. having anxiety things. Everybody's tired. Every mother I know is, is explaining it like this. So, yeah. And as a matter of fact, I've been finding that the word postpartum is commonly now in our culture conflated with the word depression. Like they're synonyms. Mm. I would refer to postpartum and people would think I'm talking about depression. Right. Which to me is depressing. Like that is not what that is not our original design. You know, I 
I understand and agree with the fact that when you're sleep deprived, when your hormones are shifting, when there is major transformation, that we're gonna feel all sorts of new feelings and many of them will not be pleasant, period. That's par for the course. But where it becomes depression is when there's no support for that. When there's not a context for that woman to move through what she's feeling, to process, to grieve. Mm. The depression is an emotional logjam because we're not being emotionally, even spiritually supported through this major transition. Postpartum is a portal. It's not a period. It's not six weeks and now you're authorized to go running again and it's over. And if you're still feeling depressed, go to the doctor and get some drugs. Right. Like that is a sad, sad... <laughs> That is a sad inheritance to be working with right now as a culture. And to be honest, that's why I did not go to my pediatrician, because I know they're just going to give me drugs. But I felt lost as another avenue to talk about it. And I love how you are describing it now as a rite of passage that we need to uplift women through, carry them through. Like, this is, and I love how you say postpartum isn't depression, it's 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 the porthole it goes into depression because we're not supporting the women we're not creating the support system we're isolating them I, right. I really appreciate that clarification yeah yeah the isolation is absolutely the root of in fact uh, one of my mentors someone I absolutely love his research dr. Gabor Mate he does a study on the effect of stress in early motherhood and long-term illness, addiction, etc. And he says that when he studied women with breast cancer, that stress alone did not increase the chances of a woman developing breast cancer, but stress coupled with isolation increased it by nine times. Wow. Oh, that's fascinating. And I know we've talked before about also this... I mean, it goes in line with isolation, but this idea that when you are in a group of mothers that there's this feeling like you can't be completely honest, like you can't actually let go of what you want to let go because you you fear being judged. Like sometimes in motherhood, you have these inappropriate thoughts, let's say, or you imagine something or you have this icky feeling and you don't you don't want to appear ungrateful. You don't want to appear like you hate being a mom. I love being a mother. I 100% love being a mother. But I've had some dark thoughts, you know. And is is part of the issue as you see it, like we have no safe place to actually talk about those dark thoughts and not be thought of as, okay, you need to <laughs> go in some nut house or something like that. Like, is that what part of the solution a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Being a, like, if we can just create safe space, like, which can happen just between two moms having a conversation and agreeing to be that safe space for each other, it really, it only takes two coming together to create a container that is in and of itself healing, to be able to just get these thoughts out, to even be able to laugh at ourselves as we say it, to be able to acknowledge it so that it's not just swimming around on our insides and festering where mm -hmm. we're judging ourselves for it. Or even mistakes that you actually made. Right. Like, like I, remember, I dropped my baby right. and I need to tell somebody. <laughs> I, I remember the first time I did that. Well, I did it several times. I remember driving with Noah when he was a baby and looking back and realizing I hadn't buckled. I forgot to actually buckle him. So he was riding on the freeway without a buckle. It was just, he, I just put him in the seat and forgot because I was so out of it 
And I remember the shame I felt like, oh my gosh, thank the Lord above I didn't get in an accident. I mean, just little things. And then you feel like a bad mom. You right. feel like an inadequate mom. You feel like, oh my gosh, somebody is trusting with their life. Should, should, should I have gotten this job? I don't know if I should have gotten this job. <laughs> Can you imagine a person who is learning to surf for the first time, but has never seen another person learn to surf and who is alone in the ocean? You would be, as you sat there and struggled to even get up on the board for the first time, you would think, what is wrong with me? Right? You see all the posters of surfers riding waves and then you go for it and you're like, I can't even stand up on this thing. You know, if you are around though a bunch of other surfers moving through the same thing as you are you can see and that's the way our brains are wired to receive information and connection with each other we are social animals we need to see it Mm -hmm. we need to see that other surfers are falling down right and so when we don't have those conversations when we can't be transparent when we can't be vulnerable when we can't fall down together it makes getting up harder and longer and just fills us with more doubt when what we really need as mothers is trust in our intuition right do you think that's been tampered with a bit just in in my own thinking I'm starting to become more aware through like spiritual work of my intuition but I feel like it was silenced in the way I was brought up because it's not valued it's it's almost seen as woo-woo feminine quality that's weak and do you think as women that we're struggling to find that ancient richness that we, we have, and everyone has it, but it's, it's, it's hard. It's hard to actually come in touch with it sometimes. Oh, absolutely. Because we're bombarded with, do this diet, eat this, eat that, do this for your baby. This is the best way. No, this is the best way. No, that thing that you thought was the best way that you've now been doing for the last two years has just been scientifically <laughs> proven to cause cancer. Like, oh, you yes. know, we're just constantly having the truth manipulated and bent and thrown back in our faces and so yeah between that and just popular and present day media along with the messages that we received growing up well and you get it now that I'm I'm thinking about when I was first clued into the fact that my intuition was subverted was being pregnant and going to medical doctors they I remember I hadn't felt Tess move the last two weeks she was two weeks early but I hadn't felt her move a lot and I went in and I said, I think she's going to come early. I haven't felt her move a lot. I'm feeling a lot of pressure down there. And literally, this wasn't my doctor. It was a sub doctor, to be fair. My doctor was actually pretty good. But this doctor literally said, you haven't felt her move in a day. You should have come in. She could be dead. She could be oh dead. And Lord. I'm like, can you just do the ultrasound lady and make sure she's okay? But this idea of fear and, and throughout the process, right? Like taking your blood work, finding genetic testing, pee in this cup, uh, go get your sugar. I mean... This is something that we have been doing since the dawn of time. And and even going through the birthing process, trying to do it without the drugs. And I was telling my, you know, my doctor, no, I, I need to do it this way. And she was trying constantly to get me back in the bed and off the stool. And luckily I had an awesome doula, Jen, who was like an advocate for me yeah. to stay where I want to stay. Cause I wasn't comfortable doing it home. I just, there was still that little fear in me and I knew that fear would stop the process. So I just did it the way I feel like I'd have less fear. But it was an eye-opening experience to see, even in pregnancy, how that power is taken away from the woman. Like your voice is completely silenced. I'm so glad that you're bringing this up because it is the fundamental, if you think about the life cycle of a mother, 
Like that is where our mother's intuition, that's where it starts right. in terms of the subversion is the way that we have our healthcare system set up around pregnancy and childbirth and we put all of the expertise in these doctors. When our bodies, when we're pregnant, when we're in labor, when we're in early motherhood, our intuition is actually up on high volume. Our bodies are designed to talk to us and to tell us what we need. Right. And what's not working for us and what is working for us. You know, and a doctor is great if you legitimately have a problem. If you really, you know, need, if, if shit's hitting the fan and, and it needs to go down that way, like, fine. But my person, I mean, I had told my doctor this and she was okay with it. But, like, you're there as a, a, a life jacket, like a, li a life raft to save me if I need it. But other than that, don't give me drugs. Don't, don't ask me if I need anything. I can do this. I, I believe I can do this. Yeah. And it's still, it's very challenging, I think, for a lot of doctors to, to believe that. They, like, want to be involved, really get, get in there. Because yeah. like, that's their training. <laughs> right. You know, it's this highly medicalized birth, and they're there to do their job. And, you know, you think about anyone who's there with a specific idea and expectation of what they're there for. It's going to be very hard to get them off of that, yeah. you know, most people anyway. Um, which is why birthing centers home births for those who feel comfortable, you know, for a, for a birth that seems to be proceeding normally, like a healthy pregnancy, etc. I would 100% recommend working with a birth center or some system that is outside of the mainstream hospital. Yeah. Looking back, I kind of wish I did that, but, um, well, especially with Noah, I had a lot of hemorrhaging while pregnant. And so I just had this fear of hemorrhaging out after birth or th mm. there was something wrong with the baby. Mm -hmm. You know, I just had such that fear in me that right. I, I felt like if I would have attempted it, it would have, the fear would have gotten in the way. And I think it's is... right to listen to that and say birth in the hospital, but then have the advocacy of a doula, you know, have that, those layers of support. Yeah that are going to act as a buffer so that you're not just trying to navigate the system by yourself right. when the, you're already overwhelmed with the job you're doing. The doula and a couple of the nurses were like angels. Yeah. Angels. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it makes all the difference. So interesting. So how, so now that, how do we get our intuition back? What do we need to start doing proactively? We've talked about, okay, there, there's obviously issues. And I think any woman who's listening that, that has had children, um, can relate. So what are steps we can do? I mean, we could come dance at the Mama Mob, of course. <laughs> <Yeah>. Anything, um, anything that puts you in touch with yourself. And that could be quiet time in the morning, maybe a meditation practice, maybe just taking walks, just spending quiet time with yourself. Journaling is amazing. Just getting in touch with your inner voice and how you think and feel and what's true for you. Um, just having really, really honest and vulnerable conversations with people that you trust. Um, Motherhood Express, specifically. Uh, this so Motherhood book, Express is a is something you created. Yeah. And it's you can find this online, right? Is there, yeah. there's a Motherhood Express. Motherhoodexpress.org. Dot org. Dot org. Dot okay. org. Um, and it is a journal, 40 poems and 40 prompts. And so these questions are designed to deepen you into personal space. What is true for you? It's designed to strengthen your intuition and your sense of confidence in your voice, in your choices, and just bring you into more resonance and alignment. 
into yourself yeah as you navigate the portal and then the little fringe benefit of that is in answering the questions you're also creating a memoir of Mm. early motherhood I love that I'm just opening up the first question and it says you know where are you now which is such a simple question but it really seems to dive into this intuition aspect of really looking inside you and recognizing what feelings you might be experiencing what emotions you might be experiencing like where are you now and a lot of times we're so caught up in having to feed the baby change the baby we've been at we don't stop and just really ask that question which is so it's a profound question actually to sit with when you're got so much going on right right? and all along with that like everything that already happened and everything that might possibly happen moving forward and we're so constantly drawn especially as moms like well if I don't get the baby down to sleep right now then that means that the schedule is going to be off in this way and then this is going to be this and this and we're really really tempted to be stuck in a future worry or a past regret as we're navigating this really tender timeline of our day with a baby right yeah I like how you said that Uh, a future worry or a past regret and that's so I think I can let my past regrets go a little bit better than I can with the future worry like especially with the newborns and toddlers it's just always trying to foresee the next thing that they could potentially get hurt with you know because you just don't want to feel like you let something happen and then it's on your watch and there's so much of that I mean I was not a real big worrier before children and I I feel that you know it's important it was it's very hard to be present and not go off into the deep world of what could this be you know even the tiniest sneeze or the tiniest thing could be oh gosh they're dying of pneumonia you know it's just uh it's a crazy thing that happens when you're a mother and you know what else is happening with that activation of becoming a mother and then now all of a sudden all of these worries now all of a sudden this and that is different because also what's been activated is the default mothering program that was installed in you by your own mother when you were a baby so the way that she responded to you the way that she mothered you you know showed up in certain ways as you were a child and growing up but it shows up in a whole new way once you become a mother yourself and you almost get a whole nother perspective inside out perspective of her experience which has always been in your life a formative imprint yeah so true you've mentioned that to me before in a way that was really interesting when I think you mentioned it in a way of motherhood being this teaching experience that has allowed you to really look at the structure that you were brought up in and dismantle it if need be right oh absolutely my mom had severe mental health like total breakdowns her mom had manic depression they're both have been hospitalized for mental health issues in their lives and then also my great-grandmother before her had mental health things had like shock therapy you know the things that were standard for women who were not happy right right oh my gosh that's so when when I think of what we're talking about now and I'm still going back to that first question where are you now and and this leads to your point what we're talking about for me right now is is a tangible way to really look at where you might need to dismantle a belief system that you were brought up in is when you ask that question where are you now and you feel a place of tension or you feel there's something that is feeling icky it's a it's a feeling you get that is where you dive deeper those are the areas you go look at and you say 
why do I believe this way? What could I do to let this go? What work needs to be done there? You find those issues within yourself and you only find those issues when you sit alone and ask yourself how you're feeling, what's happening inside here. Yeah. And if you don't have the space, like let's say that your quote unquote free time is while you're tethered to the sleeping baby on your chest. And so you're not necessarily going to pick up a pen and start writing in a journal, but instead you're just scrolling on your phone or something that that could be a time for video journaling. You could speak into your phone. You could do voice memo, uh, dictate into text or just literally push record and just capture yourself expressing through these dark, so-called uncomfortable, sticky spots. Right. Do you feel like for you, I know you're a poet. Do you feel like through expression, like poetry or for me, it's art, you know, photography or painting. I always, and sometimes it is journaling, but by just the process of writing it, it almost feels like it's, it's physically coming, like letting it go. Like it's, it's coming out of the depths and it's almost a liberating experience in and of itself in that process of getting it from inside to outside. Yes. Which is why there is so much research to back up the therapeutic benefits of expressive art and writing. It reduces stress. It boosts the immune system. It regulates the nervous system. It does all of these things because that is really what's happening. Right. Yeah, you're really creating an an outlet for circulation that is vital in your system. And to me, that's also another intuitive thing. Like, I have no clue on the research on this, but I feel it. I can feel when I am creatively responding to something that's that's feeling icky in me, that I'm trying to figure it out through art. And when it's when it's done, I feel it. I feel lighter. I feel happier. It's, it's one of those innate things. And for people listening, you know, you might not be a painter. You might not even be a writer. But I think all of us have some creative power of expression. And however you might do that, I mean, maybe it's even exercise, right? Sometimes I feel like when I sweat, I can imagine the worry in the sweat. Like the drop that just fell from my forehead is the anxiety and I look at it and I say my anxiety just left and it's it could be something different for everybody yeah, there's right? infinite things dig a little hole in the in the earth somewhere and speak into the ground oh I like that and then too. close it up Ooh, I like that yeah and it's in there it's, and the earth will heal it yes the earth will transmute it that's another thing we just like the earth heals when we treat our bodies appropriately you know, mind, body, soul, we heal. We are meant to heal. We're not meant to sink into this depths of depression, right? Especially in early motherhood, when our ability to be present with our infant is forming the basis on which this little person moves through the world. So if we as life, as a species, are designed to thrive, then particularly postpartum is a time when we want to be really present with each other we want to be really open and and in a nurturing space right because then that baby feels oh I'm in a safe world I'm seen my feelings there's space for who I am you know when I cry my mom can respond to me right like these are all the things that that are happening when our development is going well and that's the development of a new mother as well as the development of a new baby and interestingly the needs of the new mother and the new baby are the same Mm -hmm. I love it 
I love it. Yeah. What would you say to a woman who just had a baby is listening and she's feeling alone? Reach out. Speak as honestly and vulnerably as you can to at least one other person on a regular basis and let it be another mother. Right. You, If you say you're in partnership with a, a loving husband who is your outlet, that's great. And because he is not a woman whose body is not biologically or neurologically wired in any way to understand from the inside out what it is to give birth, to be caring for a baby, he can only witness you to a certain point. Right. He cannot fully witness you because he does not have that context fully in himself. That's such a good point. I mean, I love John. He is an amazing husband, an amazing friend on all other aspects, but he'll be the first to admit those newborn years he felt useless and he didn't know what to do, partially because the kids attached to my boob. I mean, the, the baby wants the mother and they didn't carry a child for nine months. They didn't go through birth. And it is one of those things that no matter what kind of man you might be with, there there is a level that a woman who's, who is a mother really brings. I, I totally agree with that. Um, yeah, and, and, and in past, times that was there was a tribal connection we would even share the the nursing duties right oh my gosh yes we were always together with other women we were always together with other women women regulate each other's nervous systems right I feel like I want more women in my life now it's interesting I grew up such a tomboy and and I I almost always thought I never related to women like I always related to boys better and now I'm feeling like I need more women. I want them. I want I want women. Yeah. <laughs> they are they hold a special vibe, a special energy. Yeah. For sure. I have this vision of large houses where single moms can live in community together. And then collaborate and co-op all of the different aspects of mothering and working and taking care of a household. You know, that there should not be such a thing as a single mother. No. No. I think I think you have something here. I think there's this is a really good topic to expand on and I feel a little lost. I feel like you have such a good foothold on an actionable way to make this reality and and I wanna I wanna help you in that. Um, I do you know, I talked I tried John get John on board with the commune thing you know we're all joining this collective family thing I don't think he's gonna do that I would be down though I would be totally down to live in a commune with other families where we farm together and you know build this world together but for most of us I, I think you know it's still like you, you got to go out in the world and really put it together like a puzzle it's not yeah, easily yeah. given it's not right. easy this this community this connection it's not there it's not just there like it used to be. Right. It is not just handed to us. We do need to go out and forage for it, if you will, and right. put it together and piece it together. And that's beautiful in a way, too, because we can really customize now what our community looks like. Right. Yeah. And But I do think that that is the essential work for each woman, is to create that community around her, to plug in to a place where she does feel safe to totally be herself. Right. I love it. Yeah. I have one more poem I'll share. Okay. It's called The Mother's Creed. The Mother's Creed. <laughs> like the title. Okay. I wrote this while I was pregnant with my third child. 
knowing that I was really jumping off the deep end in terms of motherhood at that point. Okay. I will put on my oxygen mask before assisting others. I will breathe while multitasking. Stop indeed to breathe as often as needed and with my breath drop into my skin because that's where the magic and mystery begins. My children may not always behave as I wish. I will value authentic expression, integrity, and self-discovery over good behavior. I will know my kids for who they are. My clothes may not always fit. I will appreciate, care for, and respect my body unconditionally because it gives me the ability to hug my children, to smell and feel them. My house may not always be clean. I will do my best without expecting more and help the kids have fun doing chores. My time might not always feel like it's mine to spend. I will remember that every moment is once in a lifetime, and this is all that counts. Circumstances might not always seem ideal or even manageable. I will show up anyway and let life change me, sometimes painfully, into a stronger and more resilient person. I might not always feel appreciated or understood. I will be my own hero. It's not easy to carry humanity in your heart. I might not always feel like doing dishes, washing clothes, running errands, checking homework, cooking dinner, reading books, answering questions, getting peed on, brushing hair, finding socks, or driving cross country to pick someone up or drop something off. I might not always have patience. I might not always stay calm. But I'll teach by example how to celebrate small victories and honor great loss, how to fail successfully, how to grow through chaos, how to fly in mud, how to heal from the inside out, how to stand in the truth, how to listen for it, to lean toward it, to own your voice. Because ultimately, immediately, we all have a choice to embrace the journey, shadows and all, or run away sleeping, only to fall awake at the end and wish we could do it all over again. Ooh, chills, I love that. So are all the are those both of those two poems in the Motherhood Express book? No, they are not. What? They are in another book of poetry that is soon to be published. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so you do have a book now on Amazon called Motherhood Express. Forty correct? questions for newborn moms. As well as poetry that is also very moving from what I've read so far. And is there any other ways we could contact you or if somebody's listening to this and they they want to help in this mission could they contact you through motherhoodexpress.org yes in fact i would actually go through motherhoodexpress.org both to contact me as well as to order the book i put the link directly to the amazon uh to the item on amazon right there on the home page on the website because i've been having trouble searching for the book and having it come up oh, on amazon okay. so maybe it takes time it might take time we need more people to search for it and order it on <laughs> i'll amazon. search for it a hundred <laughs> times tonight and gina's also working on my project the love you project which um i talked with susan about um that's about kind of trying to change the way our society looks at beauty standards and she does the poetry for that. So I take the photo. She then interviews the woman and and comes up with this unique, I've been unique poem for that woman. And I've really been enjoying this project because I feel like I have a magic wand. I send Gina this this photo, and I and she just magically makes something so beautiful from it. So 
I appreciate your work on that project as well. Well, what's actually happening there is that these women are volunteering their bodies and their voices for the project. And the poem that I create for the woman is a direct reflection of what she shared with me about her story and her journey and why she's getting in front of the camera. I totally get that. Because when I'm taking the photo, I figure out their story as well. And then when I look at the photo and hear your poem, I, I feel like it's the woman talking. I, I don't feel like it's even you talking, but the way you've constructed the words and the ideas is so powerful. And every time the connection between the photo and the words is, is pretty amazing. So watch out for that book coming in like three years, probably at this rate. <laughs> it's slow, but... And I, if you want to get involved in that project, then yes. also reach out. But it all kind of does mesh together. We're trying to win. We're trying to lift women up. We're trying to create community. We're trying to create a an atmosphere that is less judgmental, that's more open, that's willing to see um, that we fall, and that this isn't easy, and that nobody is doing it, quote unquote, right. There's, yeah, exactly. There like is this is no beyond right and wrong, people. <laughs> right. Yeah. Was there anything else you wanted to close with or leave uh, anybody listening with or any other tidbits or advice or words? You are enough. You are enough. We are enough. It is enough. Together we can do this ourselves. Together we can do this ourselves. I love it. Well, thank you, Gina. Dong Ting. <laughs> Dong Ting. For coming on the spiritual involution I thoroughly enjoyed talking about this topic and I hope you all did too I will post on our Facebook and our Instagram and as always my hope for this podcast is to stir up conversation so if you have a thought about this please reach out let us know what you think and other than that have a good day bye